so good to uh, meet everyone once again. It's beautiful to be in the house of God. And above all, it's so beautiful to know Jesus. There are many nice things and good things that can happen in life. And there are many good events that pass through our life. But the greatest thing has always been knowing Jesus. And in this morning, you are seated here and you haven't come to the place of meeting Jesus. We would like to truly, with all our hearts, invite you into that moment of coming to know Jesus. And we thank God for all that he has done. And all that he has done, not just for the past, what he has done for today and what he has done for the future. He has done, he's made all things beautiful. And in spite of what we may view life from the bottom, he's looking things from the top. And we are looking things from the outside, but he's looking at things from the inside. His ways are higher than our ways. And he's amazing God. One of the greatest revelations that we can have about God is the beauty of his grace. And we've been doing a series of teaching on the amazing grace and uh, amazing grace. The unmerited favor of God, which is not because of the works that we have done, but his sovereign love, his sovereign love, his choice of love, which is on every one of us. And we thank God for that sovereign love that he has. We may not have known him in the past, but we can encounter his love and be transformed by his spirit and his love. It's so amazing. So when we talk about love, there are many revelations about love in the Bible. Peter talks about the manifold grace of God. And, uh, and, and he also talks about the love of God. We, we hear about being justified by grace most of the time. But at the same time, the scripture talks about growing in grace, being transformed in grace, being strong in grace, the coming grace at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a journey that begins by the grace of God and it continues through the grace of God. And we are received by the grace of God at the end. So this amazing grace is just too amazing that words cannot describe it fully. But we are thankful, we are thankful that we have come to know this grace by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that even as for us, each and every one of us, including myself, that we'll continue to run this race, walk this race, and be transformed by this grace continuously. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church, in uh, the Corinthian church, he said that, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He talks about his past, how he persecuted the church. And at the same time, he talks about how he, he as the chief of the sinners, the least of the apostles, and he was planting church all over the Roman Empire. And he works hard. He says, I work hard more than anyone. But yet he says, by the grace of God. And he, is, he labored by the grace of God. So Paul was transformed by the grace of God. So the scripture this morning that I'd like to start off with will be from Romans 12 verse 2. It says here that, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, 
pleasing and perfect will. Now, the Apostle Paul did not reform his way of thinking, but he encountered Jesus and he was transformed by grace. And he became that apostle of grace eventually. So we see here that he writes to the church in Rome that do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Conform, be molded. When we mold something, sometimes we apply a bit of pressure and there are set boundaries for it. And the world tries to mold every generation in one form or another. And he says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are familiar with the word transform, metamorpho, metamorphosis, where the caterpillar spins a cocoon and becomes a beautiful butterfly. It's an amazing transformation. And we have seen Jesus do that transformation by his grace in many, many lives. So he has chosen this before the foundations of the earth. It was not like, you know, it happened that one day we gave our life to Jesus, we got baptized, and then he began to figure out a plan for us. He had a plan for us before we were born. And he knew the day that we will turn to his grace and we will respond to that grace. And he has prepared a journey and he has predestined us for something great. And his way is higher than our ways. And we cannot use the formula and the reasoning of this world to encounter and to accomplish what he has prepared. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be transformed by the Spirit and his word so that we can arrive in that destiny that he has prepared for us. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a wonderful God? Doesn't he have a great and wonderful plan? When, when I look back at my life about 40 years ago, I was just having just another plan like every other person on this planet Earth. But when I came to know Christ, like Sam was uh, sharing just now, early 1983, I was just meeting Jesus in people's life. But towards the end of 1983, that's about 40 years ago, I was touched and transformed by the Holy Spirit. It changed my life. And uh, I found that the amazing love of God was so great that I laid down all the other plans and began to pursue what he had for me. And one of the early scriptures in the Old Testament that I was taught to memorize for some reason was not the Ten Commandments. It is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. And I was I was taught to, to learn that do not lean on your own understanding. We know that we are in a fallen world. Our understanding has limitations. Our understandings are influenced by the different factors that are existing around our world. Our understanding is limited by our culture. It's limited by, by every other circumstances that we face from day to day. But God, who is in control of the past, the present, and future, is, is always able to do much more than what we can ask or imagine. So the scripture says that do not be confirmed, but be transformed. Because we are in a journey. Paul is asking us not to be confirmed and be transformed because we may walk into his will eventually by being transformed. There is a destination. There is a purpose that God has planned. It is not being transformed so that we become more religious. 
No, it is being transformed so that we can go through the journey that he has prepared for us. That we are able to accomplish those things that he has put for us in our lives. It is not being, uh, being holy or religious, but just being transformed by the Holy Spirit to the destiny and the calling that we have. So each and every one of us, we have a plan when we begin our life. But when we come to Jesus, God wants to nudge us and, and to lead us on into his ways that are higher, his plans that are higher. And eyes have not seen, ears have not heard the things that he has prepared for us. Many times, as parents, we want the best for our children and uh, we, we want to plan a lot of good things. But we have a good father in heaven who has got greater plans for each and every one of us. His ways are definitely higher. His plans are definitely better. Even for my wife and me, we have two girls, two daughters. You know, God has better, always had better plans for them. We had different plans, but somehow God closed the doors and he opened different doors. And God brought them to New Zealand ahead of us. So God has a plan in our life. And in way back in uh, uh, one year after I came to know the Lord, there was a prophecy over my life. that, And I was still single, not married. I haven't met my wife saying that God is going to give you to another land in the day to come. You're going to leave these shores and go to another land. Now, that did not happen immediately. I was still in the East Malaysia in Sarawak. And what happened was that after I graduated from college as a teacher, I was transferred to the interiors of Sarawak. There was not another land. Where, where there was this school surrounded by jungle. That was the same land. And there was a different community there whom God has prepared to bring them into the kingdom of God. And there, the Lord discipled me. The Lord taught me how to preach because there was no church and I was surrounded by just a jungle and a, and a river which is infested with crocodiles. And that's where I had to take my bath for the first eight months of my life there. And, but there God has prepared a harvest and my life was being transformed. And I was spending time with the Lord and one thing that I learned those days is what we call the quiet time or we call it the secret place. I had a special corner in, in the room that, where, where I lived. And uh, I sat in that corner, held my Bible, spent my time worshipping the Lord, and just, just enjoying His presence. Just enjoying His presence. I know nothing else but just to enjoy the presence of God. And then He leads me to, to read the Scriptures. And uh, God continued to work in my life and he continued to transform me and increase my understanding and I realized that I ought not continue to lean not on my own understanding but I need to continuously be transformed because he has been increasing my understanding of his purpose and his will in my life. So when I look back into the scriptures and look back at the life of the Israelites, I see in Ezekiel 20 verse 6 to 7, the scripture says, uh, God says here about the Israelites, I would bring them out of Egypt into a land I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands. And I said to them, each of you, get rid of the vile images you have set your eyes on and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The, Egypt, the Israelites were slaves. 
and uh, they, 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 were, they were there for 400 years. And they were giving birth, raising up families as slaves. But God, by His grace, displayed His power and released them from their oppressors. And He provided them with uh, Moses by His grace. And He led them by His grace out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the desert where He was leading them into the promised land. And he has prepared a place for them by his grace. It was not because of what they have done. It was all by his grace, right from setting them free and leading them into his promises and the promised land. Everything was the amazing grace of God. And God had great love and passion for his people. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai, the people went back to their old ways. They couldn't wait for Moses to come down. There could have been lots of things going on down there. Pressure in the camps at the foot of the hill where there were uh, children, wives, families, all kinds of things happening. And uh, they, they begin to go back to their old ways. They, they, and, and God says that each of you get rid of the vile images you have set your eyes on. We have set our eyes on many things in the past. And God wants us to get rid of those things from our mind. Our spirit is safe. This is not about salvation. Our spirit is, has been saved. We are redeemed. But there are things that we have set our eyes on, which God wants to remove it out, so that we can set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we can grow in faith. We can be transformed by His grace, and we can go into the promises and the plans that He has for us. He says that, do not defile yourself with the idols of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. We are very familiar with that part of it, but Egypt was still in their hearts. So when they were put into the pressure cooker, the idols from within them began to shape up and, and began to shape out. And it began to take forms of worship. So God has brought them out from slave to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That needs transformation. From slave to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He has a way and a path for them. He's, he has called them. In Leviticus 26, 13. He says, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of Egypt. So that you will no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke. And enabled you to walk with heads held high. He says that you are no longer slaves. You are no longer people of the past. I've set you free. I broke the bounds of your yokes. I've set the captives free. I broke your chains. I've set you free. Your new creation. And you've begun a new journey. I leave the past behind. The Israelites were very often either being conformed to the past or they are being influenced by the dominant culture that was around them. Whether it was, the, it was the Assyrians or the Philistines, they look at all the nations and the people, the dominant culture around them, who've got idols to worship, they've got kings to rule over them, they've got a different way of social life, and Israelites were being tossed around with left and right with all kinds of ideas. They are, were not looking at the God that has let them out. They are looking at the world and they are being conformed into the pattern that was around them. This is a great challenge because to be confirmed according to the norm, according to the norm that is around, is a normal thing to do. But God is calling us, do not be confirmed. 
but be transformed. That is a challenge for us to make a stand and to be different, to be the light, to be salt. So believers, we are redeemed. We have been forgiven, just like the Lord says that I broke the bars of your yoke and enable you to walk with heads held high. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. And he's given us a high a higher, higher path, a greater path where we can walk and we can experience his goodness and grace. When I look into uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, and before that, the Apostle Paul described to the Romans how men have gone down a spiral of sin, and even though they know God, they refuse to acknowledge God. And he explains and writes on how God continues to work and, 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 and bring his plan of salvation to fruition, and how by faith we are made righteous, and the Jews and the Gentiles all are made righteous. And then Paul goes on to explain various things and comes to Romans chapter 8, and he says, therefore, when he says therefore, he's referring back to all that is written before that. He says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, in all things he worked out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and will. Therefore, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, if God is for us, who can be against us? Therefore, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul has placed out a long list of things in Romans chapter 8, and that will be a homework today. I love Romans chapter 8. It's talking about life in the Spirit, and we can move on into the promises. We do not need to linger in Romans chapter 1, but we can move on into life in the Spirit, beginning Romans chapter 8. When God has done all these things, then Paul adds another therefore in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, all those things that are written behind, I urge you, brothers... Present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. You need to test and approve what God's will is. By being conformed, we will not be able to test what God's will is. But being transformed, we will be able to test and approve. Yes, this is God's will. This person is God's will. This job is God's will. This city is God's will. This plan is God's will. And you can be assured when you're in God's will, He's before you, He's with you, and He's ahead of you. Because that is the place where He has called you. He's amazing God. He's a wonderful God. So when Paul says, therefore, he's referring us to all that was written before that. And because of this grace of God, and by faith we are made righteous, we are able and we are called to present our lives to Him so that we are not conformed, be transformed, so that we can walk into His plans and purposes that He has prepared for us. He has prepared a place, a plan, a person, a job, a destiny. He has prepared reward for those who seek Him. He's a good God. He's a good Father. If our earthly Father knows how to give us good things, how much more our Father in heaven. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus came down to die for us. And He's got better things. If He has given us His Son, how much more He will give us all things. This is the assurance we have. 
This is the goodness of God that we can experience in our life. When we hear the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. We look at the cross. When we look at the cross, we are not just thinking about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. It is the Father, it is the Son, it is the Holy Spirit that made that happen. And it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that is drawing us to that cross. The Father has planned for the Son to come. Jesus died on the cross. The Holy Spirit is wooing us to Jesus. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit, all of heaven are involved in drawing us to this kingdom of heaven. What does it take for heaven to save us? It is not just a cross, a wooden cross. It takes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be involved to bring one soul, four souls, six souls, another soul into the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world. There are many more souls that God wants to add to his kingdom because he's looking for worshippers, because he's a good father, and he wants more sons and daughters. Hallelujah. He wants more sons and daughters. He wants many, many, many more sons and daughters. He wants the whole family on this to be his to be his how many more are there sons and daughters to be pre-believers who have been called by God but haven't heard the gospel this amazing grace that is hidden in our hearts need to be poured out into the streets into the families into our relatives when was the last time we visited a distant family or a relative when was the last time we connected with a long lost classmate when was the last time we called someone out for coffee just to spend time because Jesus is making himself real to them through you. I was listening to a testimony recently. There was somebody was telling that this to this person, hey, so there's something different about you. Tell me what happened. Well, actually, it was the Holy Spirit that was working that person's life. So there's a story to tell. The story that was coming out is an opportunity to be a witness of God's amazing grace. So as we are being transformed, God does mighty and great things. He will guide us through our thoughts. In Ephesians 4.23, Paul says, And that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Praise God. Many were baptized today. I say many because I see many going to the pool. Not many as of today, limited by number. But I see many more, many more coming to that pool. And they're going to be baptized to, be, to enter and to follow the kingdom of God and to follow Jesus. And he says, you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What we were hearing about uh, a nine-year-old sharing this morning uh, from Pastor Josiah that, you know, she was here over the last few days. Well, was it yesterday? And uh, she was uh, telling her mom, a nine-year-old, there is peace in this place. A nine-year-old can sense there is peace in this place. So good. She hasn't found that peace somewhere else. But she found it in this building where God is being worshipped. And I pray one day she will come in walking and she'll worship Jesus just like many others will do. God is calling people into the house. God is looking for people. God is transforming us at the same time so that we, as we walk this journey being transformed, every time our lives are being touched and renewed by the Spirit, there's a story to tell. Every, every turn to the left or right, when the Holy Spirit touches, there's a story to tell. 
It may not be the same story yesterday. It could be another story tomorrow. Next week, you'll have a different encounter with God. And you've got another story to tell. Jesus is full of ideas. He's never short of ideas. Yeah, and there are new things that are going to happen all the time. And we're going to meet people everywhere all the time. Last week, I was in AA in my wife, with my wife and, and uh, I met this lady and daughter from Ashburton. And the, daughter, the, the, the kid was crying very furiously. And she was very unhappy, wanting the father from the queue. So I began to play with the kid. After playing with the kid, I spoke to the kid and spoke to the mother. And we talked about Jesus. Hallelujah. There are many ways God can move and God can uh, create an opening for us to talk to people. So God will guide our thoughts when we are being transformed and not conformed. So it is, is it Christ that is guiding our thoughts? Or it is, is it Him that is transforming us? Or is it the dominant culture that is transforming us? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. What else does grace do? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and in godly manner in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. What does Paul write about grace to Titus? First he says, the grace of God has appeared when it brought salvation. But it didn't stop there. The grace of God instructs us to be transformed, to be godly, instructing us to live godly lives. And it goes on to this present age. Until when? Till the appearing of God, our Savior. He continues to transform us from glory to glory. He transforms us from grace to grace, and He continues to work in our lives. And as we continue that journey, the Holy Spirit will continue to renew our mind. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes there, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. There are two words that are used in Greek for the word renewal. Be renewed in your mind and renewal by the Holy Spirit is the same word. In Romans 12 and Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Renewed, renewal by the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon our lives and He transforms us. So God works deeply, impacts our life, and we have a story to tell. So God very often uses the word to renew our mind. Though God can use many ways so that we are not confirmed, but be transformed. We are led by the Spirit, and we are led by the Spirit. We are not under the law, and we are led by the Spirit as sons and daughters of the kingdom. So the Scripture shows us that God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Long for His presence. Worship Him. Draw near to Him. Not because He is far away. We have been brought near by the cross, by the blood of Jesus. He's just there. But God wants us to just sit there and begin to commune with Him. He's right where you are. We do not need to go to the mountains, to any building, to any place. He's right where we are. We just need to just you know, begin to focus on Him. We will know His presence there. So God wants us to be transformed. The Holy Spirit will use His Word. But at times, maybe we need an extra help 
Perhaps you need to go for a bit of sozo or go for a bit of deliverance whatsoever because we never knew what has happened in the past. There are some strongholds that need to be brought under the captive of Jesus Christ. And those thoughts and those patterns need to be pulled down. And sometimes we need a little help, a little counsel, a little prayer, a little consultation. Somebody else who has been through or somebody else that knows the truth and the truth will set you free. And that, that thought, that stronghold will be pulled down. So God is at work in many ways through our lives. There are four principles that Smith Wigglesworth said that uh, he, he, he said that's very important for our faith. First, he says, read the Word of God. Second, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Third, believe the Word of God. Fourth, act on the Word of God. We are talking about not a marathon reading. As the Holy Spirit leads, maybe a verse, maybe two verses. Or it could be a verse in the lyrics of the song. The Holy Spirit could speak a word through somebody somewhere. And there are many ways that He can touch and transform our lives. And one of the main ways that He touched our life is through the Word of God. And as we spend time, it is not about marathon reading, but just taking and beholding what the Holy Spirit is telling us. There was a time when the Lord was talk, speaking to me through John chapter 15, the first eight verses. And I was at John 15 verse 1 to 8 for a few weeks. I couldn't intellectually explain that. But whenever I turn the Bible before or after that, everything becomes dry and dead. But when I go back to John 15, for those few weeks, there was life permeating from the Scriptures. And the seeds were being sown into my life. God was achieving something that I do not understand at that moment. And He is doing something. So sometimes the Lord leads us to certain Scriptures when we read the Bible. But... Let us not hurry off from there because that was the season of grace for us on that scripture, on that passage. It's not about how fast or how much we read. Reading the whole Bible is great and uh, I find that I'm very often stuck with a passage or even one scripture for many days, many weeks until the Lord moves me to the next place. It, it takes root. It transforms and it also prepares me for something that is ahead. And in due time, I realized that, wow, now I know that scripture is real in my life. He saw the seed. Now I see the fruit of it. God is working. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Many a times when we spend time with the Lord and we begin to see our weaknesses and how we fall short, you know, whether it's, it's uh, something that we go through physically or emotionally or there was something that upsets us, His grace is sufficient for us in spite of whatever the circumstances, circumstances is. And we see this in Peter's life. Peter was very impulsive. Spoke before he thinks. Jesus said, follow me, and he'll jump out of the boat and follow him. When Jesus said, come, he'll step out of the boat and walk on water, and then he sinks in the water. When Jesus said to him on the mountaintop, pray with me for an hour, he would be sleeping. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. Peter was among them. Saw many miracles, signs and wonders. Before, when Jesus was arrested, Peter denied Jesus three times. 
Then when Jesus was resurrected, they have been thinking about when will Israel be restored. But one morning, when Peter went, to, went back to his old ways, went back to fishing, the disciples were with him. Jesus came and he had bread, breakfast and fish ready. When Peter saw Jesus, he did not wait like the others. He dived out of the boat and he swam to where Jesus was. When Jesus saw him, Jesus didn't, this is after resurrection, and Jesus did not ask him, Peter, we need to have a talk about that denial. <laughs> didn't I say that he would deny me, I'll deny in front of the Father? No, he didn't do that. Where was that denial? Jesus left it on the cross. Amen? Jesus left it on the cross. Now he has been, he has been raised from the dead. And, and he's calling, he's restoring Peter to the journey that Peter has been called into. Jesus works again and again in our life through the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter 3.9, Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. When Paul says, his grace is sufficient for me, the, his power is made perfect in my weaknesses. Likewise, over Peter's life, over Peter's high and lows, the grace of God was sufficient for Peter. And God was patient with Peter. And Peter is telling us in this scripture, he is patient with you. That while we go through this transformation, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives through the process, through our journey. There are people around us that are connected with us and God does not want any one of them to perish but everyone to come to repentance. While we are still in our journey being transformed, we have a story to tell. Every, every season, every now and then, the Holy Spirit is doing something in our life. Maybe our weaknesses are exposed. Our tears come down. But there's a story behind that that glorifies Jesus and people begin to respond to the kingdom of God. He has chosen us before the foundations of the earth. He will not abandon us the day we make a mistake. Because the day He died on the cross, He has perfected us. But our mind and our soul is catching up with what He has done. And He's using the Spirit, His Spirit. He's using the Word. He's calling us into a journey. And while we are in this journey, imperfect by our own standards and how we look at us, He's using that journey to be a testimony to bring others into the kingdom. So Peter went two by two. Peter preached to 3,000. Then Peter went to the house of a Gentile, Cornelius. And then eventually he writes that God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Not wanting any soul to perish. He's no more thinking about Jew or Gentile, but it's anyone. So this morning, if you haven't open up your hearts to Jesus. It will be my joy. It will be my joy to lead you in a short prayer. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son 
that whosoever believe in Him shall not perish. Like Peter wrote, he doesn't want anyone to perish. And what does it take for us to come to the cross? The Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit involved in wooing us and drawing us into the kingdom of God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for the amazing grace that continues to transform our lives. And through that, we have a story. We have a testimony. And we thank you, Lord, for everyone that are here this morning. We thank you that it is your will that none should perish. And you have called them and called everyone into this place this morning. If there's any one of you that you are unsure about your salvation, or you haven't gave your life to Jesus, you haven't accepted Him as your God and Savior. While every head's about, would you slip up your hands? Bible says that angels rejoice when one soul turns into the kingdom of God. To anyone in this place that you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, you'll begin an amazing journey. We encourage you and I would persuade you to respond to Jesus this morning. Just slip up your hands to Him because He's here in the midst of us. A nine-year-old can discern the presence of God in this place. Amazing. I believe the Lord is watching over our lives. If there's one soul that would like to put up your hand this morning saying yes to Jesus, I will encourage you to do so. And we would like to pray with you. If there's any. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? It's a precious moment. It's between heaven and us and you. All you need to do is say yes to Jesus. Any other hands coming up? Would you please slip up your hands and we will pray. I'd like to pray to, I'd like to invite us to pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross to redeem me, to save me from all my sins. And you have made me righteous today. As I believe in you, as I turn to you and confess that you are my God, you are my Savior, you are my Lord. Come into my heart, Lord. Be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If any one of you need prayer, the prayer team will be here. If you want to be prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, remember it's the Holy Spirit that transforms our life. We'll encourage you to come forth. The prayer team will pray for you and will encourage you to give your life to Jesus and He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God bless you.